Welcome to Take Note. Welcome to our podcast. This is where we uh, we carry around a notebook, encourage each other to uh, do so, encourage our listeners to do so, and write things down as we experience them and think of them and observe them and then read them to each other. I'm here with Adam. Hello, Adam. Hi, Ted. I've, I've been holding back laughter because just before we started the show, you told me you were clearing the mechanism and i well i cleared it i know now I, it's clear it's, I, I i love it i love that phrase clearing the mechanism and uh I, you know it, either it's going to stick with me for the rest of my life or i'm going to forget it in 36 minutes for some reason i relate it to much of what i've been doing lately which is describing how firearms work to my six-year-old son <laughs> When in reality, I have really no idea how firearms work, but that doesn't stop him from asking. Why do they call it a barrel? Oh man, you know you're not going to just trust the YouTubers because... to inform him. Oh, <laughs> oh, let's hope it doesn't come to that. Well, at least three more years until he will be watching firearms YouTube. Sure, there's uh, some Russian fellow who'd be more than happy to explain it. To him. <laughs> That's right. Well, uh, every episode we ask each other, "What do you got?" It means what have you written down in your notebook lately, Adam? What do you got? All right. Well, I've written here. Last night, when the dog were watching, Javier took his first opportunity to enter <laughs> Logan's room. He climbed on top the beanbag chair and immediately took a leak directly on the Nintendo Switch. Um, the Nintendo Switch. Let me get this. Yep. Go let ahead. Me, let me get this straight. Javier came in and took a leak on the the Nintendo Switch. Climbed on top the beanbag, mounted the beanbag, mounted, surmounted the beanbag chair, urinated directly on the Nintendo Switch. We we cleaned it off, and initially we were not <laughs> concerned, but uh, I think there's there's reason to be concerned. And right now the Switch is in a uh, four day silica cat litter bath which is like the new rice basically and uh how does okay here's my question about rice and now silica cat litter mm-hmm. how does it get inside the plate the water theoretically water mm-hmm. no not water it's gone has gone inside the mechanism so you need to clear the mechanism i do how is how is the silica going to get inside the mechanism in order to clear it? This well, I don't understand. <coughs> I, can I answer your question with a question? <laughs> if you were in the silica cat litter business, wouldn't uh-huh. you start a rumor that your silica cat litter could cl- fix broken electronics? I mean, rumor's all you're working with, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, there's no... There's no academic paper yeah on on saving uh saving video games so my well, kids I, I wish you the best of luck you. we'll find out on give, saturday give my love to to javier no no we will we'll find out on saturday but my kids uh to to get real for a moment like their their greatest passion is creating these levels on super mario maker um none of which we had backed up because I was not aware that was something you were able to do. So it is, uh, 
There's a lot riding on this. There's a lot riding on this uh, silica gel catheter. Ted, what do you got? How big a bag? How big a bag is this? It only comes in one size. is is a fifteen dollars. Did you just? Did you buy the bag and then just tear it open and just shove the (laughs) switch inside the bag? I think we should have. But what we did, and I'm already wondering if it's too much cat litter. But you know, at this point, what you know, what can you do? Like at some point, can silica cat litter hurt? uh, electronics mechanism hopefully not um but how could it how could it not there, there's got to be a tipping point right there. that's right i decided I, I in thinking about it i decided that we needed to make sure that the silica cat litter bath which is not an actual bath um is vented so we didn't put what we did was the silica cat litter so maybe about half the bag went in a um box of plastic cutlery from costco so a large cutlery box that was empty um and then the switch went inside that and then there's a little flip top and i my uh, my theory was that we needed to leave the flip top open and so that's where sure. it is and we haven't looked at it for two days and we're not going to look at it for two more yeah. days well in in uh in the, the, the nature journal article that was published <laughs> uh in 2017 there was a clear delineation in in results between keeping the lid open and closing it so i'm i'm just glad you're following the science here was that nature or um nature's promise <laughs> is nature's is, uh, is nature's promise not a nature's promise sounds like it should be cat litter but i think it's food <laughs> okay it's still whatever it is i like it all right what do you got ted uh so i've been watching the tour de france um I can't remember if I mentioned it last episode, but this is truly the season of pretentious sporting events. You got to choose, or you did have to choose between Wimbledon, mm-hmm. the Tour de France, and then the Euro tournament. It's like I watched Wimbledon. You watched Wimbledon. Yeah. See, I've been I've been watching cycling, learning about cycling. I know very little about it. Uh, and you, what I what I've learned is you have to watch for four and a half hours <laughs> to understand the last three minutes of the race. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> but if you don't watch the previous four and a half hours, you'll be totally in the dark about the only exciting part of the race. Uh, but I, I've I've jotted down. This is not even the best of the best, but I've jotted down a few phrases from the uh, the announcers who, let's be fair that have to broadcast five and a half hours of, uh, <laughs> of boy boy they really are riding now look at them go um one of these one i wrote down is what is the wind doing now um <laughs> see then i've got it is said in cycling you should jump across a gap really fast which i obvious i would no, like to know what right? you're supposed to do slowly in cycling <laughs> Uh, well, climbing a mountain on a bicycle, that will happen slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in relation to that, the last one I've got is, he's really suffering, which um, th- that this is the sort of sport in which, um, well, for example, okay, they, one guy will will cycle up a mountain and for about 30 seconds... He will ride a little bit harder, right? He'll stand up and ch- jump out, take a take a 30, 40 yard lead, and then he'll continue cycling. Mm-hmm. And the announcer will say, "He's just going to take a bit of a rest now," which 
for most human beings, a rest would be you would stop cycling up a mountain. But for these people, the resting is is in fact continuing to cycle at a at what for us would be a <laughs> blistering pace. So it's a real it's a real sh- shift of mentality, and and suffering is mo- most of it is just a matter of what level of suffering you're undergoing in order to uh, out-suffer the next person. So are you going to do it next year? Yeah, I, uh, I'm signed up. Yeah, nice. I think I signed up. Yep. Yeah, I'll see if I get accepted. Uh, uh, you signed up I for actually, the uh, daddy-daughter tour de France? <laughs> I, I went to the gym and I rode, I rode the bike because I wanted to really, you know, I wanted to get I wanted to get in that mindset. That's the other thing about the Tour de France. This thing lasts for three weeks. It's a long, it's a long commitment. I've been watching a lot of this stuff. Were you riding um, the bike at the gym while watching the Tour de France? I didn't. I couldn't pull that off. Yeah, there was no TV on there. Yeah. but I was I was in the mindset. Um, because I'm not a big cyclist. I've actually I since since pandemic times I've ridden my bicycle quite a bit more, but it's a cruiser. I'm sitting pretty upright. I'm not crouched over that thing. Um but I wanted to I wanted to get in the zone. I've been I've been surfing the Craigslist, see what's see what's out there. It's only could be a horrible idea for me to purchase a road bicycle, right? I, I reality mean, check. You're pretty cool. You, you live close enough to Austin. You could probably train with Lance, right? Oh, that that no, that's a good idea. You just cycle over to Austin, train with Lance, cycle back to work. Just got to get up back. early. Yep. 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 What else you got, Adam? All right, Ted. I've got. Well, just about Wimbledon, real quick. Uh, sure. I, I had a similar experience where uh, you spent four and a half hours trying to understand the rules. I, I had this, uh, I was watching the finals. It was the only part that I watched. And it was, it had already, it was maybe a set or two into it by the time I turned it on. And um, I felt, I, I have this opinion that the way they, so the graphic. I've, hold design, on, yep. sorry, hold on, hold on. I've watched probably 40 hours of people riding bicycles. And you're going to compare that to you watched only the finals of a tennis match a couple sets into it yeah yeah i'm just level just level setting here yeah absolutely okay. uh, Car- Car- in in my opinion um the uh, graphic design of the scoreboard uh sure. not the scoreboard but the score on the screen was confusing yeah. um and so it, it, it was... Well, you've it, invested so much time in understanding it. I well, could under, I, I, I by see the, by the end, I By the end, I understood. Um, and I think I, what, what I read online to understand, I understood that it was a best of five, but then you'd look at the scoreboard, and at first, while they're in the first three sets, there's only little there's only like six boxes for three different sets. Anyways, so I'm at the... You know, the, the third set is ending, and I can just tell... There's there's nowhere near the level of excitement for me to be, be understand. Like I can tell, but anyway, it was I was just very yeah. obvious that this was not ending. You, um, despite... you were super box oriented, but yes. nobody else was, That's was right. locked into. No those one boxes. else was box oriented. All right, here's what I got in my notebook. I'm switching to <coughs> switching my commonplace book. I'm going to read two quotes from my commonplace book. One is long, one is short, and it, uh, I did not do this on purpose, but it occurred to me that you might be able to. Uh, tell me the source 
of this first long quote. So, there are some people in this world who like everything squared up and precise, and there are those who will allow some drift at the margins. He is both these kinds of person. He would not allow, for example, a careless ambiguity in a lease, but instinct tells him that sometimes a contract need not be drawn too tight. Leases, writs, statutes, all are written to be read, and each person reads them by the light of self-interest. You know where that's from? I'm going to guess that it's from a David Foster Wallace novel. It's from Wolf Hall. Uh, oh, wow. He is both these kinds oh, nice. of person, and he is Thomas Cromwell. Um, oh, yes. And, uh, you know, this quote is like a ridiculous quote, except to, to have copied down. But it really spoke to me. I identified with it, and I thought there was a lot of knowledge in it. So I think the um, the, it, the Thomas Crom- Cromwell's instinct telling him that sometimes a contract need not be drawn too tight. Like, I, I feel like I, in my work, have to like rely on that instinct sometimes and it's something i can always kind of sharpen and remind myself but then also the uh, leases writs statutes all are written to be read and each person reads them by the light of self-interest i think there's great knowledge in that sentence and uh it's also something for me to remember and learn from and so i i don't know i thought it was really remarkable um that's great so yeah that's that's the one quote the next one you do not need to identify and it is short you just write characters, and the character turns up equipped with their lives. And that's Allie Smith being interviewed on Start the Week um, about her season's quartet of novels. I've read two of them. They're great. The reason I like this quote is because in um, uh, maybe it's a dozen words, she has summed up everything that I have failed to do in any fiction <laughs> writing for uh, 15, 20 years never really come up with a character just it's always i can never really (laughs) shake it from being just some slightly different version of me um anyway you say you 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 say that but i i actively disagree with that characterization i've read your work all right well thank you often very good but that that is the thing that eats at me um i just finished a story in my notebook and uh i i know that i kind of failed to uh to do it in that story too to really sh- to create a character or to well understand i think my that character. i i mean i haven't read this obviously but i think that uh that it's not for you to say let me put it that way when you first finish a story uh you're not the one to judge what you've done let somebody else read it i don't know somebody else who likes to read things who you might be in some sort of regular <laughs> contact with who uh who might enjoy uh, having a go and giving you some honest, warm but honest feedback. Uh, I think you're the worst person to judge that. So uh, enough with this negative self-talk. Okay. Well, all right. Thank you. I think um, I think it's uh, it's uh, not unrealistic to uh, identify areas that uh, might need improvement. And uh, I, I like that quote. But I don't know. When you're writing... It's a great quote. When you're writing fiction or... Hmm, I don't know, you hear often quotes similar to that where writers will talk about how they create the characters and put them in a room together and then they see yep. what they do. I mean, yep. have you ever really experienced that in your writing? No. Okay. No, God, no. I, okay. I mean, I, 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 would on, I would characterize my writing much as you have characterized yours, which is not, 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 not compulsively inventing characters and having them crash against each other 
the way that you know so the um not to not to anticipate what we were thinking of as a topic too soon but the the be the serpent podcast which i haven't listened to in a while but i i put in a good 30 or so episodes uh it's a re- it's a it's a genre oriented podcast like they love reading sci-fi writing sci-fi and fantasy and fanfic and kind of this this world of just absolute you know they define characters first you know they'll say i want to read something can somebody recommend something where the character is a conflicted um queer sorceress with you know etc etc like character driven Mm-hmm. And it's it's really for me fascinating to listen to them because it is a dis- different mindset. Now my my the flip side of that is I I love reading you know character driven stuff like you and you realize that that's where tension comes from right. is characters uh, pushing pushing against each other and you, you, I've realized just getting older and thinking about these things that tension is what makes reading great it's when you're worried about or worried or anticipating an, an outcome that's when you're enjoying what you're reading so i think tension comes from character too i'm not good at it i just can maybe have identified that this happens um now i've been writing some fiction myself i alluded to it um just having been very inspired by my brilliant friend by Elena Ferrante. And I think what, what inspired me about her work and that I love is that it's, it's such a point of view of a character and it's, that character is not self-conscious about stating how they feel or, or, or kind of, I don't know. I just, I love the way that character moves through the world. So I've been trying to do that which is it's a style that's against my um impulses and so i've just been giving myself a lot of leeway to over, to have my narrator over analyze the situation to take a few extra paragraphs to kind of self-assess and say you know this was the first time that i had experienced xyz or the way that you know when i saw this other person do this it made me feel this way Mm-hmm. you know really kind of trying to trying to almost you know narrate the emotion like write the emotional narrative or something like that i don't even have the language to describe it but i think it's because i'm i'm trying to over over compensate for what you're talking about and i'm finding it very satisfying even on a personal level um and trying to ignore the the self editor that is clearly plaguing you and in in you know handicapping you before you even i I finished the story you know but that's that's great i i mean i i i also this is the problem of the the first time i did nano remo was 2005 let's say and i knew by the time i was done with it that i didn't like it anymore uh that it was you know no good (laughs) so i mean uh you're right it's yeah it's it's a challenge when every time you get to the end of something you're like no nope nope didn't do it it's hard maybe, maybe i mean i don't know time. it's hard to imagine anybody writing something long and coming out of it feeling really good about it but you know they talk about the revision process you just finished your story you haven't revised it yet you haven't f- 
found every place where you can make it sing a little bit more or where oh i can write another i could i should put five pages here where i go on this tangent or something so you're at the beginning of the process i mean i finished i just finished a a novel that i'm not going to name um because i didn't love it particularly and it almost you know part of it was like this person did not well they had numerous characters but it was that thing where only one of them was interesting or like they should have just written it from the perspective of one character and they they, it felt a little hurried it felt like it almost felt like they weren't taking the time to let it just let it be real in some way you know it was like they would do a little scene and then it would just be clipped and over and you would jump five years ahead Mm -hmm. when when you hadn't really earned it you know um you hadn't spent enough time just wallowing in the humanity of it and i you know with ferrante she just has a really good sense of how long to spend on a particular episode and that's you know i'm thinking something longer for what i'm working on and so i'm trying to i'm trying to think about what kind of episodes do i want to touch on it doesn't mean i know how it's going to go down but it's kind of like thinking about all right if this is a if this is a period of time that I'm going to spend before I move ahead in time, what's going to feel substantial or interesting as kind of a crux that would make it worthy of, you know, telling a story about. So I'm trying to be more thoughtful about those (laughs) things, you know, I saw a chart once that JK Rowling made for one of the Harry Potter books. And it was in each chapter. um, What happens with, Harry, what happens with the, I think the school what ha- you know it's like all of the plots going through every single chapter and uh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting you know to uh, I, I don't know I, I guess I imagine all of it being just jotted down magically in a tiny little pocket in a right. book but <laughs> that's not how uh, that's not how things especially I guess complex things probably get done very often and especially when you need to make seven of those complex things and they're getting more complex as each one goes on uh some structure some structures required it's not something i ever bring to it particularly later in the process uh, let us assume that there was some heavy editing and you know a reader someone came in and said Oh, that didn't work. You need to work on that. And, you know, I think that's what... The beauty of it is that the book we read has already gone through that process, but but it's happening, you know. That that plan they wrote down didn't work the first time, probably, and they had to get an outside perspective to say, while I was reading this, I felt no tension or, you know... This wasn't earned, and all that stuff is so intuitive. And, you know, the workshop model, I'm kind of convincing myself as we talk. I think the workshop, creative writing workshop, really gets uh, slammed. But at the core of it is is this very idea that it is really, really hard to judge your own writing, especially in, you know, in the early stages of something, without getting human responses. And a workshop is a way to garner human responses to your words you know language is crazy it's 
hard to hard to know what effect it's going to have um and you know getting that input is key so you know just to go back to the self the self narrative self judging thing i mean it's literally true that you are incapable of judging what you've just written yeah, I mean, you you know the backstory, you know yeah. you know the what's between the lines, you know it all, but the reader does not. So it's it's a totally different experience. Yeah, I you know I don't know that I agree, but jumping off what you just said about knowing the backstory, yeah, I, I've never done anything where you like sit down and write everything you can think of about a character and then go write the thing. But I I've read that a lot of I don't know I've I've read. Uh, you know, a few times, I guess, that uh, about writers that do something like that, that really kind of develop that character first. And as someone who feels pretty confident that I never develop a character ahead of time um, and just, you know, never really flesh out a, have a fleshed out character that isn't some like all some some slight version of me. I mean, I guess they all are. But uh, it seems like it's probably not a bad idea, especially also as somebody who has all these notebooks lying around. I could probably grab a notebook and just write down everything I could about who a character might be and try to figure them out. I mean, figure out. Yeah, their story. I can vouch. I can vouch that you, in the past, have really only written veiled uh, versions of yourself. I mean, there was that one story where uh, you talked about the the, the almond-eyed, uh, square-jawed. Uh, stud entered the room <laughs> nobody could take their just no one could take their <laughs> eyes off him his animal virility uh just overwhelmed every conversation yeah so i mean that kind of thing it's like duh that's just adam he needs to really he needs to really clear the mechanism and kind of zhuzh this, clear the this thing up and oh my gosh. Cre- create some distance yeah create some di- it's too I think close you need to clear the mechanism buddy um Um, well the you know the i'm not to hammer the ferrante but even something like how she lists out the families at the beginning of the book in that kind of classic manner i mean i i sort of have have mirrored that too and you know even saying to myself okay this character he has a father and a mother and a sister you know even even going that that seemingly short distance, you're starting to build some parameters around through which that character moves through the world. You know, like if they do something, they got to go home and they'll have those three people there or those people won't be there. Why aren't they there? You know, so even kind of doing some fairly like rote, um, super basic mapping out, you you can you can feel it start to push on you as you're thinking, you know, as you're triangulating, um, and it, you know, again, this none of this comes naturally to me, so I, I'm in the same boat as you are. But I, I've been doing it lately, and I'm I'm finding it satisfying, and you know, again, like just kind of letting it, letting it unwind. Now the the notebook related caveat, um, you dedicated the front end of a pocket notebook yep. to your story yep i've done i have done no such thing which means i am dancing chaotically from page to page this story is is like a dolphin you know uh shooting over uh tour de france quotes <laughs> and and skimming underneath the shopping list and swerving to the right um 
you know, I'm drawing arrows going across pages, you know, continued here and fragments. It's total chaos. What do you think about uh, just like only writing your novel in blue ink and then anything that's not blue ink is uh, is your other notes, pencil or black I think ink? It's a, great I- it's a great idea that I wish you had mentioned that. <laughs> well, you got to finish that one notebook and with all your digressions and uh, uh, move on to the next notebook where the story no, continues. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. There's a lot. It's, it is a very visual thing. Now, the other... Um, the other thing I'm doing is I I started a you know Google Doc so I'm I'm typing out the story. Uh, I, I'm trying to I'm 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 writing passages in my notebook and then trying generally to transcribe them, so that I do have a kind of cohesive thing that carries on that I can refer back to and and I'm having middling success. It's not fun. Transcribing what you've already kind of focused on is is not not the greatest creative enterprise. You end up self-editing a lot and going, oh, geez, what was I thinking there? It's almost the editing process happens too soon. Right. Um, but I, I don't have a way around that because I do want to be able to, like, see what I'm doing, which is very difficult when it's moving so chaotically through a notebook and when I'm trying to read my own handwriting and stuff. So I'm living in two worlds. You got to kind of do it when it's fresh. I know in that NaNoWriMo how-to book, they have a piece of advice to have like two documents, the one that's the novel you're working on, and then anything, any other notes or anything you might save for later, any idea that you have while you're writing that doesn't go in there right away or something that might be a chapter or if you edit something out because you don't think it's working in the novel, it gets dumped into that file so it can be used later. I like that idea a lot. I love, I, I mean, you know, these stories, maybe they never get anywhere, but what, what is really true is that having a creative project and thinking about it and jotting down those notes, you know, for later or, um, you know, kind of the little world building, it is so fun. Yeah. And it's, it's just a great way to use your mind. Um, and it's so enjoyable. And so there's, a, I think there's a lot of worth in there beyond the end product. Um, it's it, just a, it's a good time. Yeah, it's the, it's that Jeff Tweedy's like hideaway creative yeah. time from how to write one song that, that is just doing it is where the value is. Um, finding the time wherever you get with it is your story in the first person you're writing in the first person it is in the first person you know it's in the it's in the ballpark of you know uh semi-autobiographical let's say so okay yeah so I, i think part of my big challenge is that when it is in the first person the character doesn't have you know doesn't have to be a stud like me but it's that it's got <laughs> it's got uh the first person narration the mind just works like my mind because i'm writing it and it's you know it it narrates something in the same way that i would narrate something and its thoughts uh are you know just follow my internal dialogue or you know something along that it's that that the person thinking the person writing is the same way the character is thinking if that makes any sense well, you know, again, I've read your I've read your work over the years, 
and I've talked to you a lot, and rarely do I have I read your work and said to myself, "Oh, this just sounds like Adam." It just I I it, I don't think things read the way that you think they do, right? And I don't think that your writing reads, uh. You know what I mean? I think the the alchemy that you're talking about is unavoidable, and yet that's what we're talking about. It's yeah. like that's 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 all we're talking about. It's got to be your thought process. It can't be unless you you got some AI or something that's gonna uh, you know take your words and turn it into someone else's words or whatever. That's just not what I do. Me, is I type a, I I get a few general phrases. I dump it into an AI. The words show up on the screen, and then I just scribble as many of them as I can down into this notebook. Yeah. yeah. I mean, first of all, the way you describe dumping it into an AI tells me this guy knows what he's doing. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, like the way you dump that switch into that <laughs> that, bat, that box yep. of cat litter, mm-hmm. just a command of, of his tools. Well, what you want to do after you get the like the soggy text from the AI you need a little silica to really dry it out and really you see what you uh, got after four days you know but when you got that supercomputer, just just open that lid on there mm-hmm. just keep that lid open because you want it to ventilate <laughs> oh you yeah you got it that yeah that ai's got to ventilate uh let's do this again next week adam what do you say uh does not compute <laughs> uh you can find us on the internet uh, on Twitter, twitter.com slash take note pod. I think uh, Adam works mostly in open source, so you can find some <laughs> of his. Uh, if you want to dump something into his AI, feel free. He shares it on that, that Twitter account. Um, we're, uh, we got a website, take note.space. You can drop us a note over there. Uh, you working on a piece of fiction? Let us know how it's going, how you write, what, what kind of book you're writing it in, all the details. We love all the details. What kind of pen are you using? What color ink? How's that informing your creative process? In the meantime, take care. I'm going to delete that out. Uh, I want my lawyers to get upset about it. <laughs>